Let us pray. Loving God, as we hear these ancient words of James across time and culture and lands, we ask that we may really hear them, that you would speak through them, that you would touch our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our bodies, that the meditations of our hearts, the words of our mouths, may be truly acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You all know how it goes when a child first begins to play an instrument. They are given scales and etudes in which to practice over and over again. I had to do this. Susan had to do this. Many of you had to do this. And then you try a different key. And so on. And then you make mistakes. And then you have the other hand. And you have to practice over and over again. It's the same with a saxophone or a tuba or a xylophone. But the thing is, it's a tedious process. And how many of you have had to force a kid to do it or be forced yourself to practice? <laughs> right. Because sometimes you'd rather be outside playing or just the process of sitting still for 30 minutes at a time to practice your instrument seems like too much. And yet, these are the building blocks of learning to play a musical instrument. It's the same thing in sports, right? You spend time doing your runs, your sprints, learning to dribble, learning to catch, learning to hold the bat or the golf club or the tennis racket in just the right way over and over and over again. Now the same is true. I have watched many a small child in my family, even in my own self, want to run with the pack at soccer practice, but as soon as the ball came within five feet of them, they went the other direction. Because it takes practice to learn those skills, to get them coordinated to where you can actually play the song or play the game. The truth is, even in our greatest musicians and our greatest athletes, they spend, one could argue, the majority of their time in practice. There's only a small amount of time that's actually spent playing before a crowd in the stadium or playing in a concert before friends and loved ones or even the wider public. Practice is at the core of any of these endeavors. And it's a process of doing it over and over again until you get it into your fingers and your tendons and your muscles and your ligaments, into your bones, and you know how to do it. We see this in our other sisters and brothers in faith. Our Jewish friends tonight will celebrate Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of their year. In about 10 days, they'll go and sit in Yom Kippur and confess. On Friday nights, they'll light the candles with the same blessings that the mother often does. 
the blessings over the bread and the wine, the blessings over the children. At Hanukkah, they'll light the candles, or at Passover seders, they'll tell the story again. It is a practice, often in Jewish tradition, practiced at home, going back through the generations. Or those of us who've ever tried our hand at Buddhist meditation, or have friends who are Buddhist practitioners, know that learning to sit in certain traditions and just breathe and empty your mind as much as possible and create a sort of non-attachment with what's going on in the world is the heart of the practice. If you've ever tried to do a 10, 15, 30, or 45 minute sit or a whole day retreat, you know at times this practice can be tedious and goes against most of what happens in our everyday world. And yet the goal for the Buddhist is to try to get in touch with that serene, calm, grounded, centered Buddha presence. To take it into the world wherever you go, whatever arises, whatever storms, whatever temptations, that you stay centered in that equanimity which you have built over time through practice. Or our Muslim sisters and brothers make it a habit to pray five times a day at certain hours Recently, I was in a part of the world where you just saw people stop, whether they were at the gas station or in the street or on the sidewalk. In our local Greater Boston Interfaith Organization, if the meeting happens at prayer time, all the Muslims leave the room and go to a designated place to say their prayers as they bow toward Mecca, as they reorient themselves physically toward the source of their faith and put it into their bodies. Now these religions put a great emphasis on practice. And there are critics, some of them within the Christian tradition, who say, well, that's just a bunch of rituals that people don't really think about. They just go through the motions. That may be true. There may even be a temptation to let the rituals carry you along. But I would argue that's actually part of the beauty of it. That the rituals carry you along and you find your place inside that architecture of tradition and practice. Now, in the Christian tradition, we have lots of practices as well, but they sort of faded out of popularity or emphasis in a lot of our traditions, particularly, I would say, in the moderate to liberal end of the Protestant tradition. And in recent years, the past two decades, they have come back into play as we look at some of our more Orthodox or Roman Catholic sisters and brothers and the way that they practice through ritual and process and systems going back generations. And so we are going to enter into a season of looking at Christian practices, both with this faith course, which I encourage all of you to at least look at the participants form, and on the back of it, it says who will be presenting as part of the video series, but also we'll be bringing it into worship just as we did two years ago with a faith course that we took. We'll be looking at the practice of prayer, where it all starts for us, where we all center ourselves, that is always accessible wherever we go. The practice of worship, what we do right now, and why we do it, and how we do it, and how it shapes our lives. The rituals of sacraments, both 
communion and baptism, and how these are an ordering for our lives as we remember the tradition, do it here in the worship service, and take it out into the world to think in new ways about how they can actually shape our lives. We'll be looking at food, hearing from a wonderful activist in San Francisco who converted her sanctuary, which is used to great effect for a wild dancing communion every Sunday. And on Fridays, they turn that sanctuary into a food pantry that serves, I believe it is, nine tons of food every Friday to people in need as part of the San Francisco Food Bank. We'll be talking about money, the thing that shapes our lives in so many ways that so many of us have ambivalence and mixed reactions about, and how we think about it in faithful Christian ways. We'll be looking at service, that, that thing that we love to do in this church and do quite well through our thrift store or through our Thanksgiving meal or through helping with Martin Luther King Sunday and countless other ways. And we'll invite someone from the Brooklyn Community, Brookline Community Foundation to talk with us about service in this community. And finally, we'll close with community and what it means to be in community here. We'll invite back the common art artists the homeless folks who make art at Emmanuel Church to have their art things on display, their art that they make on display, just like they did this summer. You may want to make some Christmas time purchases then. And we'll also invite Laura Schatzer, their chaplain, back to speak with us. We'll end with community because community is actually the way that we put all these practices into place. Why? Because it's a way of helping one another. It's a way of encouraging one another. It's a way of seeing different ways of practicing in each other. This course, right now we have about 10 or 12 people signed up, and I would love to see two, three, or four, or more times that amount, even if you can't come for all the sessions, is a way for us to think about these everyday things we do in our lives, but how we bring a more faithful intention to doing them. The question is, where is God in the way that we pray, we worship, that we do the sacraments, that we talk about money, that we spend money, that we eat food and buy food as we serve, as we gather in community? Where are we placing God and our awareness of God in all that? That's actually the theme of this course, both in worship and in our study groups. I have a vision for this congregation, which I've shared with a few leaders, which is that we might become, at United Parish, a sort of center for spiritual living here in Brookline. That it wouldn't be just for us who have joined this church or who call ourselves Christian, but it would open the doors and make porous the boundaries of our church so that, say, someone wants to take a course in forgiveness, could come here and we would offer that Christian practice of forgiveness and how you do it. Not only with your family of origin, perhaps a parent who didn't know what they were doing when they raised you, or perhaps someone at work that you're struggling with, or perhaps that lover who betrayed you, to find out how we put that practice of forgiveness into place. Or imagine if we had a course on social justice advocacy, what our end mass incarceration group is doing right now, thinking about how the levers of politics and policy work 
so that we can engage with them in creative and life-changing ways to change some of the social problems in our community. Imagine if we had a course here in that practice. Or perhaps like our Centering Prayer group, we had a course on just how to get down to the roots of your soul, to be quiet, to listen for God, to transform yourself internally so that you may go out and be a transforming power in the world. So that's my vision. I'm wondering how it lands with you, how we might catch hold of it, how we might be that place. But I'll say this because our writer James says this, that faith, this idea of what we believe, which has been practiced for so many years, this idea of orthodoxy, right belief, James says that that is dead unless you show it with your actions. And that is where orthopraxis, or right practice, comes into play. I'm interested in how we think more about what we believe, that God loves everyone, that forgiveness abounds, that the most fundamental parts of the Christian faith are about loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And we figure out, in everyday ways, with our own particular challenges, how we practice that in the world. I happen to believe that church at its best is a change agent in the world. It changes us, it gives us a laboratory in which we can try to figure out how we want to be, more importantly, how God wants us to be in the world around us. Now, James is very concerned about not getting it, going and looking in the mirror and walking away and forgetting what you saw. Or perhaps he's afraid of the faith becoming like a dry riverbed in which living water is no longer flowing through. Or perhaps a broken piano in which the tunes cannot come out. You and I have probably all visited houses of faith like that faith where the Spirit of God has somehow died or fizzled out and there's sort of a damper on everything. The great good news here is that that is not at all the case here. We have lots of living water, a great presence of the Holy Spirit. We have lots of love and kindness abounding. Visitors tell us about it again and again when they come into the pews. But I wonder what it means for us to dig down a little more deeply into where our souls meet God in the work we do in ministry and how we practice that. You see, just as when you practice those scales on the piano or the saxophone or the tuba or the xylophone and it gets into your ligaments and your muscles and your bones so that you can do it over and over almost without thinking about it, it becomes a muscle memory. And I believe that that muscle memory is what allows for a yo-yo ma to emerge with his personality in the skills of his fingers in ways that only God created yo-yo ma to be. Or Serena Williams to play tennis in ways that only Serena Williams can play because she practiced enough to get the skills and let God's light shine through their own souls in that work. This is exciting work. This is engaging work. This is fun work. 
This is good stuff to do and good news about our faith. So I invite you to think this week. You can take that list on the participants form and think, what are my practices in any one of these areas? Prayer, worship, community, food, money, service, community. And what's something I would like to practice a little more intentionally? A little more in the ways God invites me. And then I invite you to come and join us for this study. Come and join us for worship through mid-October through mid-November as we study these practices together. Because practice, while it doesn't necessarily make us perfect, it can make us more faithful, or better yet, full of faith and grounding in God. And that is worth pursuing. Amen.